informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Drive Time 2024. It is a new year. Merry Christmas to you and thanks so much for being part of the new year here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I got a lot of explaining to do because I'm not Adrian Fonseca, but this is Catholic Drive Time. Adrian is on a much well-deserved break. He's going to be out uh, today and tomorrow. He'll be back on Thursday, God willing. I think he went to Pennsylvania where he's got some family or friends, so I hope he is uh, not listening right now. I hope he's sleeping, even though they are an hour ahead of where we are. So uh, glad to be with you. My name is Dave Palmer. I serve as executive director of the North Texas office of the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I, I'm, I'm coming back from a two-week vacation. And so I am kind of dusting off the cobwebs. But if you know anything about the Guadalupe Radio Network, this is not a time to be uh, sluggish, okay? January and February are really busy for reasons I'll explain in just a moment. So let me begin uh, with a prayer. Uh, it's a novena to the divine infant king. In name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. O divine infant Jesus, I have recourse to thee. Please, through thy blessed mother, assist us in this necessity, because we firmly believe that thy divinity can help us. We hope with confidence to obtain thy holy grace. We love thee with all our hearts and with all the strength of our souls. We repent sincerely for our sins, and we beg thee, O good Jesus, to grant us the strength to triumph over them. We resolve never more to offend thee, and we come to offer ourselves to thee with the intention of enduring, ev- enduring everything rather than to displease thee. Henceforth, we deserve, we desire to serve thee with fidelity, and for the love of thee, O divine infant, we will love thy neighbor as ourselves. All-powerful infant, O Jesus, we implore thee again, assist us in this need. Grant us the grace of possessing thee eternally with Mary and Joseph and adoring thee with the angels in the heavenly court. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. I think it was Tim who sent that over to me this morning. So, Tim, good morning to you. And also, Rudy Carlos in the Houston studio as well. Good morning to both of you. How are you guys doing? Good morning, Dave. It's good to be with you. And uh, again, you know, it's uh, really a treat when Adrian takes some time I'm off to <laughs> to go on vacation because I get to, be careful how you say that. Okay? I get to uh, I get to work with Dave Palmer. Yeah, well, likewise, good to work with you and Tim as well in his new position as producer of the show. And so, uh, anyways, great to be with you, Rudy. I know you and I will have a lot of back and forth over the next couple of hours. And uh, let's see. So, all right, that is that. You know, the, the, as I mentioned, New Year, and uh, there, there's a lot. Let, let me just say, there's a lot of exciting news that we're going to be reporting to you even this week. I had a conversation with Tim this week. I also talked to Debbie Giorgiani uh, yesterday. And let's just say that when Ru- when uh, when um, Adrian comes back on Thursday, he's going to have a lot of details this week. I don't know exactly when he is going to unveil all the news and all the exciting things that are happening with this show. 
But I have been told that I can say that three weeks from today, there is going to be a change. Okay. I hope, I hope Tim, I'm allowed to say this. Okay. But I'm not going to give, <laughs> Tim's giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> All right. So January 22nd, uh, there are going to be changes. Okay. Now rest assured, despite, uh, the voice you hear right now, Adrian is still going to be the host. Okay. I can assure you of that. Adrian, God willing, as long as he has, uh, you know, breath in his lungs, Adrian is going to be the host of this program. But there's going to be some exciting, different things, a lot of different contributors. I know I'm going to be a part of the show like one day a week, you know, which I have been, you know, up until now as well. So I, I, I'm going to stop there because if I go any further, I'm going to say too much. Okay. So, uh, wait a couple of days when Adrian comes back, uh, on Thursday morning. I'm sure he's going to start, uh, revealing uh, some of the changes, but rest assured, Adrian is not going anywhere. He's going to be part of the show and he's going to be the host of the show. Okay. So don't worry about that. The other exciting thing to announce is that today, uh, January 2nd is the kickoff of the 2024 car raffle. All right. That's why I said that when you come back in January, even if you've had a break, uh, you got to dust off the cobwebs really quickly because January and February are kind of, I, I compare them to December for retail. You know, if you're like in retail, you're just crazy busy in December. That's how it is in the car raffle season. Okay. Today kicks it off. And what we're going to do to officially kick off the car raffle is that two hours from right now at eight o'clock central time, nine o'clock Eastern time, we're going to have a car raffle kickoff show, which I'm going to host. And you're going to hear from a whole lot of different voices, including Sean Rice and uh, uh, Sammy Rodriguez Jr. Our president is going to be on at the end of the program. And you're going to hear from uh, our GMs and executive directors in Houston and San Antonio and Alabama. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to preempt the regular programming at 8 o'clock Central Time for that special car raffle kickoff show. All right. So. Uh, and let me tell you real quickly, but we're going to get to the news with Rudy Carlos in just a moment. But uh, today's saints, uh, today is the memorial of saints Basil the Great and Gregory Nazianzen, uh, bishops and doctors of the church. Now, the interesting thing about these two, you wonder why do they pair these guys up? Why do they both have the same day? Do they just run out of days? And I think more likely it's because they lived at the same time and they really were facing the same problems uh, within the church. They both were 4th century saints and doctors of the church. Uh, Gregory of Nazianzus was the Archbishop of Constantinople, and he was a great philosopher, a great preacher. And then Basil of Caesarea, also called St. Basil the Great, also lived in the 4th century. He was uh, bishop in Cappadocia, and he also was a very strong supporter of Catholic, Catholic Orthodoxy uh, in the face of the Arian heresy. And also there was another heres, heretic called Apollinaris of La- Laodicea. And uh, Basil was able to balance the theological convictions with political issues going on in the day. And so these two guys, I heard on the um, Sunrise Morning Show, they had an interesting uh, relationship. They were friends. They were obviously living at the same time, both brilliant men. And so today, lift up a prayer, Gregory of Nazianzus and Basil of Caesarea, uh, Basil the Great. Okay, and then the only other thing I'm going to tell you about before we go to Rudy for the news is that at the bottom of this hour, um, Father Jeff Kirby is going to join me. And he has written a book, and it's called <clears throat> Year with the Pope's Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ. And I've done a little research on this, and it's very interesting. If you're interested in the papacy, 
I mean, we've had hundreds of popes throughout the years. Some of them have been towering geniuses and theologians, and uh, and, and you know, some of them have not been not that great of people. <laughs> but the, the church stands firm, and the church is resilient despite the personal holiness of of the pope or you know what's going on in the church. Father Jeff Kirby's done a whole lot of research on the popes and their writings and how they faced particular issues and things that were going on in the, in the day that they lived. And so he's going to join me at 635 and talk about that. It's a, it's a devotional, which means there's 365, uh, devotions, but you don't have to start on January 1st. Obviously, we already missed that day, but, uh, you can start anytime. So I think you're going to enjoy that. And then also at the top of the next hour, Adam Bly, one of the hosts of the spirit world is going to join me and we're going to, he's going to talk about what is, you know, kind of in the works for the spirit world program in the new year and also, uh, what's coming up this Saturday because that show airs across the entire EW10 radio network, uh, every Saturday during the 10 o'clock central time hours produced, uh, by us, Guadalupe radio network. So, all right. I think that's everything that I have to say right now. And so let us now in haste go to Rudy Carlos with a look at news. Good morning, Rudy. <laughs> Good morning. Happy New Year. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are just some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. Breitbart reports Maine's Democrat Secretary of State threatened with impeachment for keeping Trump off the ballot. The Associated Press reported Friday that at least one Republican lawmaker has promised to move toward impeachment against Democrat Secretary of State Shanna Bellows. On Thursday, Bellows determined that Trump was ineligible to appear on the state's ballot. Notably, the Colorado Supreme Court issued a similar ruling that Trump's legal team and the Colorado Republican Party are challenging in separate petitions to the U.S. Supreme Court. The order has been stayed, and Trump's name will appear on the ballot in Colorado pending the high court's decision on the matter. Republicans were outraged at Bellow's decision to disqualify Trump. However, the decision will not advance until the United States Supreme Court rules on the issue. And in other news, this woman uh, might laugh her way to the bank as a Florida woman files suit against Hershey for deceptive holiday packaging. Cynthia Kelly alleges in the filing that Hershey engaged with false and deceptive advertising when it put out a holiday version of Reese's because some of them are shown on the package with more artistic designs cut out of the chocolate. For example, on the pumpkin cups, uh, a jack-o'-lantern face is displayed on the package. Faces are also cut out of a peanut butter ghost, a white ghost, and bats. However, the candy itself is plain and does not have any designs cut out of the chocolate. Kelly cites many YouTube reviews of the candies and also asks that uh, people who are interested in her class action join her if you're in Florida. She's seeking compensatory damages and that the company stop producing the deceptive packaging. And perhaps 2024 is the year you make sound investments. An investment firm develops Catholic faith-aligned 401k plan. Thanks be to God. A Denver-based investment firm is working with the Catholic Benefits Association to develop a 401k retirement plan that filters out stocks that promote behavior in contradiction to Catholic teaching, including abortion drugs, contraceptives, embryonic stem cell research, and pornography. Innovest Portfolio Solutions is a Catholic investment consulting firm that has more than 300 clients. The Colorado-based Catholic Benefits Association, meanwhile, provides human resources and legal advocacy support to the 83 dioceses and more than 1,300 Catholic for-profit companies and non-profit organizations that constitute its membership. The upcoming plan will comply with the investment guidelines set by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, otherwise known as the USCCB. Now, those are some of your headline news this morning, but stay tuned on 
on Catholic Drive Time for more. Now uh, we're going to kick it back to Dave, and we'll talk about the gospel. All right. Thanks so much, uh, Rudy Carlos. There are the news of the day. And again, if you're just joining us, uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being uh, part of the new year here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. So the, the gospel today, it's, it's interesting how these things sometimes uh, tie together quite nicely because I mentioned that the saints of the day uh, were two fourth century theologians and uh, Gregory Nanzianzus and St. Basil the Great, and they were fighting the issue of the day, which was really one of uh, Christology. You know, who is Jesus Christ, true God and true man? And, you know, in, in my, you know, avocation, I teach the uh, the Summa Theologia. I love St. Thomas Aquinas. And, of course, St. Thomas Aquinas, late in the Summa, gets into this because he wants to kind of establish who is God, who is man. And then late in the Summa, he says, okay, how can you possibly put these two natures together in one human being? And that's really the issues that they were battling with in the in the fourth century. And, of course, Arius got it all wrong, and it took these great doctors of the church to uh, kind of set everything straight. And for the most part, we don't deal with these issues. Today, I mean, Protestants and Catholics, I think, pretty much are in agreement at least on basic Christology that that Jesus Christ is true God and true man, and in one person. Okay, so we've kind of got beyond that. We got a whole lot of other issues that we're dealing with <laughs> in the, these days, but I think Christology, for the most part, uh, is you know pretty solid. I think for most Christians. Uh, and so anyways, that gets me to today's gospel, which is interesting because it has to do with the testimony of John the Baptist. This is First John 19 to 28, and of course you have the great prologue of John's gospel that begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, uh, which I want to tell you a little bit more about in just a moment. But this follows that immediately, 19 to 28, and this is when John kind of comes on the scene and people are trying to figure out who he is. And so uh, people ask him, who are you? And he said, I am not the Christ. And they said, "Uh, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, "Uh, no, I'm not Elijah either. Are you a prophet? No. And and so they're they're constantly trying to figure out who he is. And then finally, at the end of the gospel, John says, I baptize with water, but there is one among you who who you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. And so I think what I got out of this is that, first of all, it was uh, probably very tempting for John the Baptist to kind of receive all the accolades and the curiosity of who he is. But he immediately went humble. He immediately said, you know what, I am nothing compared to who's coming. He gave a prefiguration. Of course, he was considered to be the very last to the prophets, even though he comes in the in the New Testament, he is the fulfillment of all prophecy because he's the one that immediately introduces Jesus Christ on the scene, and also you know it's it's there's some Christology there. He's saying you know I, I'm not I'm not him. Okay, who you're about to be revealed to exactly. Uh, who it is that all the prophets of the Old Testament are talking about. So I think that's pretty cool. All right, I hear the music, you hear the music. we got to take our break. When we come back, i got a cool couple of really interesting stories to tell you about. And then Father Jeff Kirby at the bottom of the hour talking about the papacy. Okay, this is Catholic Drive Time, January 2nd. Thanks for joining us.
On that day it will be said, Behold our God, to whom we look to save us. This is the Lord for whom we look. Let us rejoice and be glad. On behalf of your Catholic radio station, the Guadalupe Radio Network in Alabama, we wish you and your family a spirit-filled journey this Advent, a joy-filled celebration of Christmas, and immense blessings for the new year. God bless you from your GRN Alabama family. Some Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. And good morning. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's 16 minutes after the hour. It's January 2nd. Merry Christmas to you. We continue to be in the Christmas season as we approach Epiphany uh, this weekend on January 6th. And uh, my name is Dave Palmer filling in for Adrian Fonseca today here on Catholic Drive Time, along with Rudy Carlos and Tim Mott uh, as well. So, all right, uh, I've got uh, Father Jeff Kirby coming on at the bottom of the hour, but I wanted to tell uh, tell you a couple of interesting stories that I found over the weekend, and um, I, let me see. So, Rudy, I've got a kind of deeper story, and I've got a, a fluffy, heartwarming story. Which one you'd like to hear first? You know, call me sentimental because of Christmas season, <laughs> spending time with family. Let me hear the fluffy one first. All right, you want to go all fluff first, huh? Uh-huh. Okay, let's let's do that. All right, so this is actually a story in your neck of the woods, okay? Did you hear about the story of the Texas toddler whose interaction with the baby Jesus and Mary went viral uh, at that event? It was actually, I think it happened in the Woodlands. No. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't hear about that at all. Okay, so... All Let right. me grab well, you're tissues. about to, as is. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, and this this story just gets more interesting and more uh, amazing as you read further on. But uh, the, the the mother of this uh, two year old child, uh, it's a toddler, uh, post a video on Instagram, and as of my reading this story, I think yesterday it had five million views. Okay, and it shows a two year old greeting. A nativity scene of Mary and Jesus. Okay, so the story says many kids are excited about seeing Santa Claus during the Christmas season, while others uh, might be overwhelmed at the sight of the elf on the shelf. Okay, which I find is kind of weird, but okay. For two-year-old Amelia Wadgamar, the real stars of the season are the Virgin Mary and the baby Jesus. Her mom said, we went to a place where a Christmas village train was set up. And uh, again, this is in the Woodlands, Texas, which is in the Houston area. And the mom said they changed the nativity this year to be really big. Amelia, who's the two-year-old daughter, didn't even notice the Santa train. She started yelling, Mary, Mary, 
And that's when the mom started recording. Now, uh, the little girl is a uh, Hispanic show. So if you watch the video, she's actually speaking Spanish. But I'm, uh, for the sake of our audience, I'm translating it into, Spanish, into English here. <laughs> the, the, the video of little Amelia greeting the figures depicted in the t- nativity was posted on uh, the mother's Instagram account. It's been liked 300,000 times. And like I said, viewed by about 5 million people. All right, so Amelia, the two-year-old, runs to the crash and yells out, Mary, Mary, hello, Virgin Mary, hello, baby, hello, Virgin Mary, and she kisses the cardboard cutout of baby Jesus, and then she says, I'm going to give Mary a big hug. And then the little girl, seeing that her mom has her phone out, poses for photos with the cutout of Mary and says, cheese. Uh, with Mary, and then she fixes the baby Jesus's diaper <laughs> that I guess had come off. Uh, and the toddler's love of Mary and Jesus, her mom says, began at home, uh, where they have a nativity scene set up in their home. Okay. Uh, but the mom said the core of her enthusiasm and adoration, uh, comes from daily prayer and discussions about Mary and Jesus among the family. Now, here's the other catch to this story. The story, in addition to Amelia, who's two years old, has a four-year-old son named Bernardo, and he is battling a rare cancer-like condition. And, uh, Rudy, you know that Houston is one of the the, the top medical uh, locations in the entire world, so a lot of people will move to, to Houston when they're, they're dealing with a, a big medical issue. Uh, his big, her big brother is currently receiving chemotherapy at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. But, uh, the mom said instead of focusing on the struggles her family is now facing, uh, their general outlook is one of gratitude. She said the family has struggled a lot. They've been living out of Airbnbs. The father lost his insurance, but she says we thank God for having a house now and for the clinical trial that Bernardo was part of for his treatment. Okay, so anyways, I think it's really cool. If you want to check it out, uh, I don't do much on Instagram, but uh, I'm sure if you just do a search for uh, toddler baby Jesus and Mary, uh, you'll see that. But uh, anyways, um, have you gotten over your emotion? Are you okay? Can I move on now, uh, Rudy? Or, uh, how, are you, how are you doing there? I had to turn my mic off. <laughs> I love that story, okay. Dave. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really just a testament to the purity of children. And, uh, and our Lord said, let the children come to me and don't hinder them. You know, there's a reason for that. It's because children can see, they can, they can understand, they know there's this great love of our Lord. And I think, I think that our Lord in his, his clemency gave that family the opportunity to refocus their attention on him in the, the midst of their trials, you know, to see that child uh, with such purity and love for the Virgin Mary, for, for our Lord, to see them, to see the, the child go and, and uh, appreciate the, uh, the nativity scene, I think was a, a little distraction, a, a gift from our Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this story was on Fox News. OK, the, this, this was not on a, a Christian or Catholic, a Catholic website or something like that. But this was covered nationally. That's probably re- the reason why it got so many hits. So anyways, yeah, it, it definitely is a, a feel good story. I'll tell you one interesting thing that happened over the weekend. Uh, Rudy, I don't know that you've you, you've met my whole family, but my wife and I have two teenage daughters. And then we have a 10 year old um, son, Patrick, who is on the autism spectrum. Right. And uh, for anybody who has a child with special needs, especially autism, knows that every day is a really interesting adventure. And uh, Patrick is an, an amazing kid, but you never know what he's going to do from moment to moment, I- including in church, right? 
So uh, we were at Mass on Sunday at our local parish, and something really sad happened where you, you've probably seen this before, where somebody passes out or, or some, there's, a, there's a medical emergency in the middle of Mass, right? Oh, yeah. And that happened, and there was a man about, you know, five or six pews ahead of us, and he just collapsed. And so, of course, everybody just, you know, descends upon him and is trying to help him, and they call the paramedics and all that. And it, it didn't appear to be life-threatening, so the Mass continued, and it was right around the time of, commun- of communion. And so, of course, Patrick is trying to figure out what's going on as well. And so I, I lean over to Patrick, and I said, Patrick, um, you know, that man, something happened to him. Uh, let, let, you know, say a prayer. So Patrick says the prayer out loud, and uh, in the middle of the communion line, uh, Patrick says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. <laughs> I mean, loud. And uh, everybody's looking at him. And, you know, Patrick's 10 years old. He's not you know, like a tiny child, but he does have special needs. And one lady behind me tapped my shoulder, and she said, you know what? That is so beautiful. That's what we all should be doing right now. So yeah. I just thought that was so cool. <laughs> Uh, but uh, that's Patrick for you. He's, he's an amazing kid. So, um, anyway, so yeah, that was a cool story. Now, let, let me tell you the other story that I found. And, uh, this is uh, a little deeper, but it'll be a nice little, uh, preview for what we're going to talk about with, uh, Adam Bly at the top of the next hour because the spirit world has to do with the connection between the, um, the spiritual world and the physical world. I guess you could say physics, physics and metaphysics is uh, what we talk about in philosophy, but, Rudy, let me ask you this. Um, uh, you know, the, in in the, the traditional land mass and in some other parishes like uh, the Ordinariate of the Church of St. Peter, where I know Tim Mott, he's a member of the Ordinariate, and I am as well, at the end of every mass, there will be a second gospel. Are you familiar with the, the, the whole second gospel uh, thing? No, I usually just tune out. You know, during mass, I, I'm really kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wrong answer. Yeah, the second, yeah, the second gospel uh, comes right right before the uh, the final prayers. Uh, you know, for uh, for the low mass, I typically go to the low mass. So, if, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Latin mass, there's two variations, right? There's the high mass. You get your incense. You get your uh, your, uh, your organ. You get people singing. It's a bit longer. There's uh, you know extra prayers. And then there's a low mass, which I think is a little bit more kid-friendly for, for my family, uh, which is a more stripped-down version, and it's a little bit low-key. But uh, either way, mm-hmm. in, in the low mass, you get the uh, the final prayers, and included in the final prayers is the second gospel that you mentioned there, Dave. Yeah. It sounds like there's not a lot of tuning out going on. You're paying attention. <laughs> no, so yeah, so the, the, and I, I, to be honest with you, so are you saying that the high mass doesn't have the second gospel at the end of it or, or they, they, it they all do, don't they? It does, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's always, uh, the, the, the prologue of John's gospel. I referred to it at the beginning of the, of the program, which says in the beginning is the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Um, and I always found it interesting that at the end of every single mass, at some, you know, in, in some rites, they will always do the second gospel, including at our parish. And I got to thinking, well, what is so significant about that particular passage of scripture that it needs to be read at the end of every single mass, right? So I came across this story and, um, you know, you're probably a, a a fan of the the Grinch who stole Christmas, right? And this is an interesting transition, I realize. But, okay, the Grinch hated Christmas. And so there's a story that I found on Spirit Daily about uh, the person who hates Christmas the most is not 
The Grinch. Do you know who it is? Hmm, let me take a wild guess here. The enemy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not green. Yes. Yes. Some might say he's red. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the devil hates Christmas. Okay. So it's all tied into this passage that I'm talking about, the prologue of John's gospel. Okay. So this story was uh, written by Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, who is an exorcist. And I found this story on spiritdaily.com. And it says at the beginning, okay, this is Father Rossetti uh, writing, at the beginning of the rite of exorcism, a gospel passage is read. The first choice most often used by exorcists is the prologue of John's gospel, which begins, in the beginning was the word, and it is easy for an exorcist to move quickly through the opening parts of the rite, thinking that the real meat is the final imperative prayer, commanding the demons to leave. And he talks about a recent case where he had an exorcism, and he says this is not the case, and he wanted to give an example. He said that, and he just calls the case of K. He's giving the lady just a, uh, a, a, a an, an alias. He didn't want to give her name, obviously. At the beginning of the exorcism, when the prologue was read, the demons reacted violently. Clearly, the words of this gospel were torturing them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. All right, for centuries, this prologue was thought to have a special sacred character. It was read as a blessing over the sick and over newly baptized infants. It was even worn around the neck as a kind of amulet to protect against illnesses. Among scriptural exegetes, the soaring poetry of the prologue with its deep theological insight is one reason the symbol for John the evangelist is an eagle. Uh, given the obvious power the prologue was having over the demons, he said we stayed with it during this uh, particular exorcism session, reading the gospel over and over and over. And when the lady came back to consciousness for a moment, we had her read it out aloud. And she said he came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. And he looked at the demon, uh, Father Rossetti said, and she said she is a child of God. Uh, theologians speculate that one of the prime reasons Satan and his minions rejected God was the rejection of the incarnation. They thought, how could the omnipotent God debase himself and become a lowly human? Moreover, in doing so, God elevated humanity above the angels. The incarnation of God in Jesus is supremely odious to the denizens of hell. Okay, so as we celebrate Christmas this week, uh, remember that. You are angering Satan, <laughs> which is a good thing, right? God bless you. We'll be back. Rudy, I have another news story. And also, Father Jeff Kirby around the corner. This is Catholic Drive Time, January 2nd. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, 
chesterton.org. We are ready. We use this Advent to prepare. My kids got the sweaters, my wife got the sweets, I got the tree. But all that, all that Christmas stuff is just the least glimpse of the joy that is ours at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I'm Tim Mott, producer for the Catholic Drive Time and the Spirit World here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I wish you and yours immeasurable joy in the Lord this Christmas and Epiphany season. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Facebook and Instagram's encrypted tech let millions of pedophiles target kids, according to ex-Meta workers. Meta has rolled out new encryption technology for direct messages on Facebook and Instagram, despite protests from former employees who say the decision to include this feature has made it more difficult to track down online child predators. Encrypted messages block anyone except the sender and receiver from viewing the contents of the communication. Critics fear that pedophiles can track down children through Facebook's People You May Know feature, which offers suggestions of possible friends who can be added through the online social circle. Non-encrypted messages had a critical role in the arrest of a pedophile who was extorting a 16-year-old victim in May of 2020 and was sentenced to over 30 years in federal prison. It's uh, really a question of privacy, but uh, I'd say in this case, probably better not to have that. Now, over 300,000 migrants, actually, we had over 300 migrant encounters in December. This according to The Loop. If you're not signed up to Catholic Vote, The Loop, uh, they send out a news article every single morning. You should check them out. And they say that the U.S. southern border saw its highest rate of illegal migrant encounters last month, blowing away previous statistics. Between December 1st and December 31st, more than 300,000 migrants were documented attempting to cross the border. A seriously concerning situation. Now, those are some of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time, and may God bless all of your holy efforts today. Back to you, Dave. Carlos, 33 minutes after the hour now. This is Catholic Drive Time, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, Adrian Fonseca is taking a couple of uh, very well-deserved well, well uh, days off, and uh, my name is Dave Palmer, filling in for him uh, from the DFW studio of the Guadalupe Radio Network. And just a reminder also, this is the first day of uh, officially of the car raffle season, okay? And um, and we want to uh, encourage you to tune in at the end of this program. This program ends at uh, 7.30 Central Time, and then we have the after show for about 30 minutes and when we go on the air at 8 o'clock Central Time, I'll be hosting, and we're going to have a number of other folks uh, from across the Guadalupe Radio Network joining me as well. And there's a theme this year called Pay It Forward, okay? And you're probably familiar with that term, Paying It Forward, where we're going to encourage you to not only buy a raffle ticket for yourself for a chance to win a 2024 uh, GLB Mercedes-Benz 250, uh, in night black, but also to buy one for somebody else. Okay. So a lot more detail on that coming up at the top of the eight o'clock hour. We'll have a whole hour explaining all this and I'll be joined on the air with a whole lot of people, but I just want to give you a little preview. And so please, if you can tune in for that, uh, we'd really appreciate that as well. And so, uh, and also, as I mentioned, also, uh, th- th- you may have heard a few hints now here and there that Adrian and, and Rudy have thrown in about some changes going on with the morning show. And three weeks from today, there is going to be a change, and it's going to be very exciting, and there's been a lot of preparation put into this. 
Uh, Adrian's still going to be the host. He's not going anywhere. Rudy is still going to be involved. I'm going to be involved in a, in a small way and some other folks as well. Uh, Debbie Giorgiani, Adam Bly. And so anyway, so, so just kind of stay tuned for that. I don't want to give a whole lot of details out, but, uh, when Adrian gets back on Thursday, I think he will start revealing a lot more information as we move closer to that date. All right. So, uh, all right. It is 35 minutes uh, after the hour and I believe we have our, uh, guest on the phone with me. Father Jeff Kirby, are you there? Yes, sir. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. How are you? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. I, uh, I was at, um, McDonald's yesterday morning, uh, trying to keep my, my 10 year old son entertained. And I was listening to an interview that, uh, you did about your book. And I just found it absolutely fascinating as a little bit of preparation for my interview with you. And so I'm very excited to learn more about the inspiration behind this book and, uh, why you wrote it. And so let me just give Father, uh, Jeffrey Kirby a, a formal interview. The, the name of the book that we're going to be talking about uh, during the next 20 minutes or so is called Year with the Pope's Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ. It's published by Tan Books and Father Jeff Kirby is a papal missionary of mercy. He is the pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina and also an adjunct professor of theology at Belmont Abbey College. Uh, he is a senior contributor to the Crux News site. He is host of a daily devotional called The Morning Offering with Father Kirby and host of the podcast Truth Be Told and the author of several books on spiritual, moral, and pastoral subjects. Uh, Father Kirby, am I okay so far? Did I get all that right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're knocking it out. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm always afraid because I didn't, uh, I didn't confirm that uh, bio with you, but I've so many times I've, I've given people those bios out and they come back and said, actually, you know, I did this, did that. So anyways, we're off to a good start. All right. So, uh, Father, um, tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind, uh, Year with the Pope's Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ because it seems like a pretty vast project to tackle. And maybe you can just kind of give our, our listeners an idea of what exactly is this devotional book. Yes, yes. A few years ago, I I approached uh, Tam Books, uh, the publisher, and they have a series. So a year with, you know, and it's a year with the Bible, year with the mystics, year with, you know, so-and-so. It's a a series that they have of of different uh, books. And I propose that we do a year with John Paul II um, because I just thought that, you know, there's so much in his teachings that, you know, really still need to be kind of taught and, and, and you know, brought to the attention of the faithful and, and, and so on. And, and in the discussions with the publisher, they said, well, how about we, we broaden it and make it a year with the popes? And uh, so we went back and forth to some conversation and brainstorming on some ideas. And, and I thought, yeah, that, that actually makes a lot more sense. And so, so that's kind of where the idea of a year with all the popes, we've had 366 of them, two, 266 of them. And so... Um, okay, so, okay, this is, this is, this is the new plan. And, and immediately when that was the, the new perspective, I thought, well, I really want to take advantage of this and, and, and make it a spiritual experience, but also a catechetical one, an apologetic one, a historical one, to really just show the beauty of all the different men who have been called, uh, that beautiful sacred tradition of, of the sacred, uh, office of, of St. Peter. And so started with a whole part on St. Peter. I went all the way back to the prophet Isaiah <laughs> to show the prophecies of the key bearer 
in the kingdom of David and that being fulfilled by the Lord. And, and just wanted to show Catholics through a spiritual experience every day that this is an office that is very much a part of the fulfillment of promise, promises and promises and prophecies by the Lord Jesus. This is something that's just at the, at the bedrock and the heart of our faith as, as Catholic Christians. And so did that and went through the prophecies and then uh, the Gospels and the relationship between St. Peter and the Lord and, and, and the lessons behind the different encounters that Peter had with the Lord and Acts of the Apostles highlight some really powerful stories that really somehow just have not trickled down to the faithful. And then the two letters of St. Peter in the New Testament. And then from there, really just bounced <laughs> all through church history and then give a nice chunk to Vatican II and then our beloved John Paul II and then concluded with Benedict and Francis. So um, <laughs> it was a labor of love. Yeah, I can only imagine when the the folks at Tan Book said, uh, let's not just focus on the, what, uh, 25 or 26 years of uh, Pope St. John Paul II, but the entire history of the church, you must have uh, thought, oh my, oh my, this is, uh, this is really going to take a whole lot more research, isn't it? We got about, Father Kirby, we have about two minutes before we, we take our break, but, uh, how, how do you possibly do that? How do you look at, uh, to, you know, 2,000 years of church history and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this and this and this got about a minute or so but uh, what was your strategy other than what you've already said about scripture and saint peter yeah so luckily i had uh, my bachelor's degree at Franciscan university was in history so i had a, a a large background to draw from basically is what are the highlight events in church history what are some you know powerful and rich spiritual teachings who are some of the men the mystics who have been popes that really haven't been talked about so just trying to highlight things that could help us each of us in our own discipleship. What are the things that could encourage us or call us on the greater holiness? Those were some of the tenets I used in terms of what was selected and what was not. Yeah, and one thing I said before in before introducing you is that even though it's January 2nd, this is a devotional, but it doesn't matter that we're already in January 2nd. This can be started anytime and picked up anytime. It does have 365 entries, though, right? It does, it does, exactly. But right, to your point, it's not January 1st, January 2nd. No, it's just day one, day two, day three. It can be started anytime. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that that can be a real uh, frustrating thing because I know I've tried to do the, the the daily Bible and you you get five or six days behind <laughs> right. and all of a sudden you're you're kicking yourself or you're you know staying up for three hours trying to catch up and before long it's more of a temptation to uh, sin and frustration uh, than than anything. But I know I've heard you say that. Hey, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to try to do one a day. Sometimes you might do two a day and then skip a day and just uh, uh, God God will take care of it. Uh, the 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 book is called. Um, Year with the Pope's Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ, uh, published by Tan Books by Father Jeffrey Kirby. We got a whole lot more to discuss about particular popes, what they've written about particular times in history. It's really fascinating. And we'll come back with Father Kirby right after this break. This is Catholic Drive Time, January 2nd. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll be back. Christmas does not look the same for everyone each year. Maybe you're mourning a loved one, 
dealing with strained family relationships, or aren't even able to celebrate the way you desire at all. But none of that can stop the universal truth that God became man in the form of a little baby. All this just to save you. This is Cecil Anderson, North Texas assistant of the GRN, and I am praying that no matter your life circumstance, the beautiful promise of the Nativity story brings you hope this Christmas season. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Many parents are greatly concerned about the way that secular culture influences their children. But what's a parent to do? It's impossible for us to isolate our children from all outside influences. To inoculate their children against secular culture, Catholic parents need to create a family culture that is more dynamic and appealing than the culture that the world offers. Family culture is the unspoken system that binds your family together and communicates expectations, beliefs, and values more powerfully than any written word. It forms the way of life for your family. Parents need to be thoughtful and intentional about the culture they are stewarding within their home because those messages are being heard by all of your children all of the time. A strong, positive family culture is the secret weapon of Catholic parents because it will help children to recognize that the culture of the world is shallow and unsatisfying. For a free download on how to develop your own family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time on this January 2nd, Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you. And my name is Dave Palmer filling in today and tomorrow for Adrian Fonseca. He has taken a break, but he will be back on Thursday. So thanks for being part of the program today. Father Jeff Kirby is my guest. He is the author of the Year with the Pope's Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ. It's published by Tan Books, and he joins me via phone to talk about this. And, Father, I talked about the the vast scope of, I think you said, 264 popes over, you know, thousands of years and just the how, how challenging it must have been to kind of narrow down what you're we're going to talk about for the 365 devotions. Can can you talk about some of the periods of the church? I know you talk about maybe one of the low points being the the Renaissance period, where we had some popes that weren't of high character. Maybe some highs and lows through the history of the church as far as the papacy. Yeah. So first, let me begin with the the powerful ones and and, and spiritually edifying ones that you know a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, aren't aware of how many. Spiritual masters and mystics have been popes. Uh, think of Pope Pius VII, who, you know, when the church was just being beaten out by the Enlightenment, um, you know, God raises up this pope who, who's really like a Padre Pio. He could levitate, had the power of healing, could read hearts. Uh, a powerful man, uh, a great mystic at, at a really pivotal time in the life of the church. Uh, also, we think more recently in terms of Pope Leo XIII, that, you know, a time when the whole papal states, which was a small country that used to be ruled by the Pope, was just overtaken by revolutionaries, and the Popes become prisoners of the Vatican. And and while this is happening, God raises up this powerful teacher, especially on the Rosary. No one has taught more about the Rosary than Pope Leo the Thirteenth, and and that might surprise people because they think, oh, I thought it was John Paul II, but actually Pope Leo beats him. Uh, had just this great love for Our Lady, and just constantly called the Church to the mantle of Our Lady. And so these are just powerful examples, and, and there's so many. The vast majority of the popes have been really holy men that have really loved the Lord Jesus and have tried to lead the faithful to a greater relationship with, with Jesus Christ. So so that's what I definitely want to focus on, you know, preeminently. But then I'd say we've had about uh, maybe less than 10 bad popes. 
Now, think about that. You have over 260 good ones, right? You know, and um, and, and I should say of, of the 266, you know, you think of that number, uh, only less than 10 have been really bad, you know. And when I say bad, um, what I mean by that is that a lot of times they lived uh, really horrible lives, um, you know, had mistresses and illegitimate children, poisoned people, killed people, engaged in needless wars, um, and, and, and just... Again, just really not very serious in terms of their own discipleship or their own call to holiness. What's interesting about these bad popes is, and I say bad and lukewarm, because there were some popes who maybe they weren't as morally uh, corrupted, but were just weak, uh, just did nothing at, at pivotal times in the church when you know strong leadership could have really helped you know, the, the, the call to holiness could have helped the spiritual health of the church. And, and so bad or, or, or lukewarm. And, and yet during these times when we have these bad or lukewarm popes, that's when the church received some of her most powerful saints. So it's almost as if the Holy Spirit was saying, okay, well, if, you know, imagine Lord Jesus saying, like, if my vicar's not going to do it and the shepherds aren't going to be the holy ones, then I'll raise up from the grassroots holy ones. And so, uh, you know, St. Paul says that we make up what is lacking in the body of Christ. And so in these moments of bad popes, God bless us with powerful clusters of saints uh, at these moments. And, and I think that's particularly insightful. And also, these bad and lukewarm popes, like, they were too busy in their own moral corruption that they never attempted to, you know, uh, defile or change or adulterate uh, teachings. So, so doctrine was, was held intact. So even the bad popes couldn't uh, corrupt uh, this, uh, this body of teachings given to us by Jesus Christ. Is it true, Father, that perhaps the worst pope of all time gave us the, uh, the Angelus prayer? And, and how uh, amazing, first of all, is that, is that true? And maybe give us a little bit of background. And it shows that good can even come out of uh, bad situations. Yeah, yeah. So Alexander the Sixth, who was a Borgia pope, sometimes people think he was a Medici, but he was actually a Borgia, and Borgia is, is Spanish. It means bull, and the family came from Spain. And so when they were elected to the papacy, when Alexander was elected to the papacy, first of all, he took his name after Alexander the Great, not Pope Alexander the <laughs> Fifth. That that tells us something. And and when <laughs> he went to to Rome, he very much felt like he had an axe to grind because he was the outsider, he was a Spaniard uh, in in Rome. And because of that, uh, his moral defilement just reached levels that um, very few could rival with. And and yet, this man who is completely morally corrupt, um, scandalous in, in his way of life, was the one who <laughs> wrote the Angelus Prayer, which many Catholics are aware of. We, it's traditionally prayed three times a day. And he also gave us what's called the line of demarcation in the new world, which means he prevented a really, what could have been a world war, a very serious war between Spain and Portugal in their uh, colonies in the new world. So here's this man who <laughs> himself morally corrupt, yet becomes, through the grace of God, this great peacemaker and, and shows this spiritual awareness to write the Angelus Prayer. So I always point out that, you know, we see this in the Gospels with, you know, with corrupt leadership that, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to work with or in spite of leadership. And in the case of Alexander the Sixth, 
the Holy Spirit continued to work in spite of his, his moral corruption. Yeah, amen. Could you talk a little bit about the intersection between world events and particular crises that were going on? I'm thinking of something like slavery or the the, the sexual revolution back in the 60s, of course, which <laughs> continues, we feel, the, the effects of that today, and how the, the popes got involved in that, how they wrote about it, or perhaps even changed uh, the culture because of their influence. I think uh, uh, Pope St. John Paul the Great and his work in Poland to bring down communism, to help bring down communism. Uh, talk about maybe some of the highlights that come out in your book on, the, on those kind of issues. Yes, very much. I wanted to, to highlight essential moments like that, especially in situations where the voice of the church or the thesis of the church you know, have not been highlighted or, or really told, especially among Catholic Christians. And so sometimes we're left with the idea that these major events happened and the church had nothing to say. <laughs> when, when actually, if you look, the, the popes actually were, were teaching pretty strongly. So, for example, the slave trade. The popes were constantly denouncing the slave trade and, and quite vehemently at one point giving this, this, this kind of like broad decree of excommunication to any Christian who assisted in the selling of a human being. And, and powerful uh, ex, you know, assertions of, of human dignity. Also, the Galileo affair. So what was what did the church actually say? What really were the problems there? And, and clarifying that. Clarifying the real nature of the Crusades. Like, what was going on there? What, what really was the Pope hoping to accomplish? Because uh, we know there were some abuses during the Crusades. But what really was the Pope's intention? And then things like the Black Death. Uh, with the recent COVID pandemic, that definitely resonates and hits home. What was the Pope saying? What was happening during the Black Death when millions and millions of people were dying throughout Europe? And, and, and again, just highlighting these major events in, you know, the history of Western civilization, which is also the history of the church, and just allowing the Popes, their voice to be heard, in some cases for the first time. Uh, let, let me give you an example. There was a, a famous naval battle in the late 1500s, uh, right off of the coast of Greece, a place called Lepanto. So the Battle of Lepanto is very important because Christian forces went against Muslim forces. Christian forces were greatly outnumbered. If the battle had been lost by the Christians, the faith would have been lost in Europe. You know, and so very, very serious. And Pope St. Pius V, another amazing mystic and spiritual master, caused the entire world to pray the rosary. Now, this is a few decades after the Reformation. So calls the entire world, every Christian, to pray the rosary. And everyone begins to pray the rosary. And the Christian forces, greatly outnumbered, uh, are victorious. And <laughs> I wanted to find that actual decree of the Pope calling all Christians to pray the rosary. Well, I'll tell you, it, it was quite a feat. I was shocked. I thought, you would think this would be available. That was one of the hardest documents it took me to find, and then to find it in English. Really? So, and I thought, this would be something you would think that would be really out there. I mean, this is a, a powerful call to all of Christendom, Catholic and Protestant, to turn to Our Lady, to preserve the faith, to keep the gospel safe in Europe. And, and, and just things like that, where I, I thought, these are amazing moments, pivotal moments that we need to know about, and we need to hear from our spiritual fathers, what were they saying during these situations, these events? 
Interesting. Uh, Father Jeff Kirby is the my guest. And, uh, Father, we're down to a couple of minutes, and that music's going to start here at the top of the hour, and I don't want to get us cut off, so I want to make sure I, I throw in the name of the book uh, again, and uh, perhaps you can tell people where they can find it other than the normal, probably at Catholic bookstores. That's always my first recommendation. Year with the Pope's Daily Meditations from the Vicar of Christ, uh, published by Tan Books, Father Jeff Kirby. And, Father, if you can uh, maybe tell people where it's found, and also if you have, while time allows, Tell us the connection between this book and also your relationship with your father. I heard you explain that story in another interview, and I think that's uh, obviously very significant to you personally. Would you? Can you share that with us? Yes, yes. So uh, you know, we, we started the project, and um, you know, my father was was in uh, very bad health uh, for about six years, and we started the project while my dad was still alive, and then his health um, really dropped uh, significantly while I was working on the book. And uh, during that work, uh, that, 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 that time, um, my father passed away. And in the book, I, I am highlighting constantly the spiritual fatherhood, uh, the spiritual masters, um, the, the mystical role in the life of the, of the popes. And, and, and especially, again, that first part, that, you know, spiritual fatherhood. And so as I was working on this, when my father died, I thought, I, I, I can't. I can't keep doing this. Uh, this is um, grieving my father while writing about spiritual fatherhood. I just this is becoming um, too much. And I actually turned to the publishers and said, "You know, uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity, but I think you need to find someone else to to finish this." Um, and they came back and said, "No, um, <laughs> you, you take whatever time you need. This is a couple years from now. We don't care. Uh, we really like what you're doing, and we want you to finish this." And I thought, "Okay, all right, great." And believe it or not, I approached him a second time and said, you know, I just feel really bad. This project is just sitting. Nothing's getting done. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be back in, a, in an emotional place, a, a spiritual place to do this. And I said, look, Father, you take whatever time you need. Um, you know, this is later. Years from now, we don't care like this. We really want you to do this. And, and I'm glad they did that because um, it gave me the, the space, the time, and but also the opportunity to eventually get back to the work and this work actually became a help in, in that grieving process. Um, with uh, my Father, father th- th- thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Father Jeff Kirby. Um, I'm glad we got that in the, that in there. Year with the Pope's daily meditations from the Vicar of Christ. Father, thank you for your time this morning, and thank you for writing this book. My pleasure. God bless you. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. We're going to have Adam Bly coming up around the corner, and also Fair. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. As you celebrate your Christmas traditions with a mug of cocoa or eggnog beside a roaring fire, keep the Christ child close and Catholic radio at the center of those traditions for truly there's treasure there. This is Joseph Schuler of Guadalupe Radio Network wishing you a happy and holy Christmas. This is Life News Radio. I'm Jim Anderson. Spain's socialist coalition government includes political parties for whom abortion must know no limits. And it's now fighting pro-life activity. Madrid in November ordered an end to praying the rosary in public. On the Feast of the Holy Innocents, outside Madrid's Dator Abortion Center, ten young people were praying the rosary and a pro-life doctor protested abortion by simply lying down. Riot police removed the young people and arrested Dr. Jesus Boveda.
Uh, federal agency says U.S. population growth is falling on hard times. Pro-life observers say it's a problem because even just the math involved shows it will take decades to reverse an impending population decline. Changing cultural attitudes may be even tougher. This is Life News Radio. Persecution around the world has manifested itself through the centuries, but it is worse today than ever before. Aid to the Church in Need and its donors have been there to help since 1947, never abandoning the Church or her most vulnerable children. Will you stand up for your faith and accompany our brothers and sisters on their spiritual journey? Visit churchinneed.org. churchinneed.org. Congressional pro-life leaders criticize White House efforts denying federal low-income assistance dollars to pregnancy support centers. A new proposed rule would defund those who do not provide eugenic abortions for the poor. And pro-life advocates in South Carolina are offering the roller coaster story of how a heartbeat abortion ban now offers some significant reductions in abortion. Abortion-friendly Republicans in state Senate committees killed a tougher law and made compromise necessary. The pro-lifers now seek to swing those Senate seats to more pro-life candidates. For pro-life headlines delivered to your email address daily, sign up at lifenews.com. This has been Life News Radio. Good morning and welcome to hour number two of Catholic Drive Time here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you. I'm Dave Palmer filling in today and tomorrow for Adrian Fonseca. He is uh, uh, taking a couple of days off, an extended uh, New Year's break. He'll be back on Thursday. And as I mentioned at the top of the last hour, he is going to be revealing some really exciting news about this program he is still going to be host he's not going anywhere but the show is going to be taking on a new form uh, three weeks from today january 22nd that's about all that i can tell you other than the fact that i am blessed to be able to be involved in a very small way and there's going to be other contributors as well and uh, including my next guest, who is Adam Bly, who is no stranger to this program or to the Guadalupe Radio Network or EWTN for that matter. Before we bring Adam on, though, I just want to uh, remind you that one hour from now, we are going to be doing a special GRN car raffle kickoff show with uh, the theme of pay it forward. Okay, you've heard of pay it forward where you do something kind to somebody and we're going to be encouraging you during the course of the kickoff show to buy some raffle tickets for yourself for a chance to win the uh, GLB 2024 Mercedes Benz in black in, in, in night black, uh, but also buy one for a friend, a first responder, a neighbor, your pastor, a deacon, maybe somebody that you know who can't afford a ticket. Okay. So that'll be the theme of the program one hour from now, uh, as we preempt regular programming to kick off the car raffles. So, all right. That is that. I think I, I covered everything. And, uh, Adam Bly, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. How are you? Good morning, Dave. I'm great. I'm excited about this year. How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am too. I know, uh, like I said, you probably heard me say we can't give a whole lot of details and Adrian will be revealing things, but uh, you and Debbie are going to be involved in, in the program. You already are. You're a regular guest and I know Debbie is as well. So I'm happy to hear in the new year that you guys are going to continue to be contributors to the uh, to the morning show here on GRN. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Dave. 
So, uh, Adam, let's talk about the spirit world. Uh, this show has really taken off. It's uh, an extremely popular program being broadcast uh, across the EWTN radio network, produced by Guadalupe Radio Network that you and uh, Debbie are hosting. Have you been surprised by the success of the program or the response that people have had so far? Um, yes, Dave. I mean, you know, I, I don't have any background in radio, Deb came to me and, you know, she said this, she felt in prayer that this was something good that maybe God wanted us to do, and I trust her and I trust her discernment. Um, and so, you know, we have been friends for years, and I figured, you know, let's try it, and, and the way I've experienced God, if, if it's His providence, uh, the doors open and, and things work out. And so <clears throat> I figured just go ahead and cooperate and see what happens. And yes, I've, I'm very surprised um, because, you know, I never really thought about radio, but you know, Dave, that's how God works. I think Um, there's a lot of things in my life I never thought about or considered or pursued and they just happened. And so that's kind of the beautiful thing is I think God uses, you know, imperfect instruments and it's more about just saying yes to what he puts in front of you. But it's wonderful. It's a blessing. Um, I'm hoping that we've done some good and maybe reached a few people and given them something useful. Yeah, you certainly have, and thanks for what you do. I know you you two are such a great team, and you have very different personalities, and you bring something very different to, to the broadcast. And so it's such a blessing not only to have you two on the air, but also to, to have this as a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network officially as one of our shows. And, um, you know, I, I got to ask you, I, I, I get into philosophy quite a bit. And one of the things that always kind of uh, bewilder, bewilders me about philosophy is how many philosophers, especially modern philosophers, will totally negate the possibility of, I guess, what you could call metaphysics, you know, and anything kind of going on beyond the physical world. And that includes a whole lot of things. And I just want to maybe get your comment uh, about that, Adam, from your perspective and, you know, day in and day out, having to do with demonology and being present and training exorcists, and you see this as part of your everyday life, that there's something going on beyond what we can see and touch and feel with our senses. Uh, How do you you, um, explain, it's not so much modern, but I think it's a problem in the modern day where some people will totally just eliminate that as even a possibility that there's anything else going on. Yeah, Dave, I mean, For myself, for my journey, I started this kind of inquiry back when I was in graduate school and, you know, pursuing adult clinical psychology, and I was working in EEG labs, so studying brain waves to infer structure and function of the brain. Um, You know, very much a hard science, kind of the hardest science that you can do in psychology. And I knew the brain could produce false experiences. We, we know that, you know, within the field of psychology, certainly even a healthy person with no mental illness under hypnosis, if they're hypnotizable, you can cause them to have hallucinations. So we know that even the healthy brain can produce false experiences. So when I started all this, I was curious, but I knew that it could just be stress and sleep disorders and mental illness for some people. And then I started encountering data points that that doesn't explain. Facility and languages the person has had no exposure to. And I don't just mean saying a couple words. I mean complex understanding, complex uh, sentences that they're producing, that type of thing. 
And then over the years, the the data's just piled up slowly until there's so much on that, you know, proverbial table that I can no longer dismiss it. And so for me, you know, every week I see see and hear things on when we're when we do our sessions that you you can't explain away as mental illness. You know, schizophrenia doesn't make you suddenly fluent in languages and know people's secret sins that nobody else knows that you've not told anybody about. And, you know, this, this person suddenly is broadcasting them to the room as one example, or speaking and understanding ancient Greek, and they've had no exposure to it, and on and on. Um, you know, and then on the positive side, the beautiful things, um, saying a prayer silently in the midst of a session, begging Jesus to help with a particular sticking point in that time, and then having the demons scream out, that Jesus has ordered them to give the exact information that you silently ask the Lord for. Um, you know, so not only are they present, but God is very present. Jesus is very present, uh, particularly in the tabernacle. Of course, he's everywhere, but there's, he's there in a special particular way in the tabernacle and the Eucharist. So, you know, Dave, um, my world had to broaden. And then on a common sense level, you know, we, we accept eyewitness testimony in court, in the civil world, you know, if there's significant eyewitness testimony, that can lead to a conviction for a crime. Yet when it comes to eyewitness testimony for the metaphysical, we often have no limit to what we'll dismiss. You know, even you take Fatima and over 10,000 people saw it written up in newspapers by atheist reporters um, as having happened, and yet we want to dismiss it. So there's kind of a weird double standard that we have when it comes to metaphysics that I find interesting. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, Adam, this is a time of obviously the new year and a lot of people are doing resolutions. And I always tend to think about what I'm going to do different this year as opposed to last year. Uh, and I think a lot of people listening right now uh, want to protect themselves and their families against the evil one. And uh, maybe you could talk about some small practical changes that, uh, you know, we could do. And I'm not talking about, you know, that we're afraid of, you know, becoming de- demonically possessed or something like that. But just as far as general protection, uh, prayers, perhaps, that we could say, things that we can cut out of our lives. Do you have any suggestions of ways that people might do, maybe make a few changes in the new year uh, from a spiritual standpoint? Yeah, Dave. I think the first and biggest change we can make is to stop approaching all of this in terms of fear. So there's been a bit of an error in thinking, to get back to philosophy, that I think has been engendered by almost too much talk about the demonic in Catholic media, in the sense that people now are more fearful of the demonic and focused on that instead of focused on their relationship with Jesus and focused on God. And so instead of thinking like, oh, what do I have to do to keep the devil at bay? And that's putting him at the center of your spiritual life. I think the first and most useful thing we can do is put God at the center of our spiritual life and say, what would be pleasing to God? And that's simple things like avoid violating the Ten Commandments, go to church, meditate on the scripture a little bit every day. Um, Whatever is in your your particular journey of conversion. Take that next little step towards God and stop thinking about defending against the devil because he is just a creature. He is only allowed to do anything, to lift a finger, you know, proverbially, he doesn't have fingers, to lift a finger if God allows it. So 
you know, don't don't focus on fearing him. He's a mere creature. Focus on the creator and your ongoing conversion. Because here's here's a you know a, a big thing, Dave. Um, what I've come to understand after all these years is that what ends up leading to somebody being truly freed in these possession cases is them having that conversion and trust in Jesus and their relationship with Jesus and often his mother when they have issues with Mary. That is what God seems to require before he then decides the person is going to be completely freed. And so God wants conversion. He doesn't just want us to be in a defensive posture. He wants us moving towards him. So that would be my biggest tip is take the next small step towards God and stop talking about the devil so much. Yeah, thank you for that advice. Adam Bly joining me here for a few more minutes here on Catholic Drive Time. Uh, the show is called The Spirit World. It airs on Saturday mornings beginning at 10 o'clock Central Time. And as I mentioned, he and Debbie are going to have a very important role in the uh, the program going forward. They already have, but uh, more on that will be revealed in the coming days. Adam, if you could, in the closing moments that we have with you, maybe preview what you and Debbie have planned for this Saturday and also maybe anything this year that... Uh, as uh, is is you know on the docket as far as changes or uh, new things with the program, anything come to mind? Well, you know we're going to follow as as we should follow the Pope's lead in terms of starting the year with Mary and looking at looking to Mary uh, as a role model and an intercessor uh, and and a you know, the biggest aid to our spiritual lives that Jesus has given us outside, of course, himself, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Father. She is the queen of all saints. And so looking to her out of out of all the saints uh, as a mother and as an intercessor, and that's going to be a big part of the beginning of this year on the show, is to kind of fill that out and give people some maybe ways to go deeper with Mary as they start their year. Yeah, thank you. I just had this image keeps popping into my mind of like somebody walking down a, a, a dark alley and there's a lot of perceived or real danger all around. Uh, but instead of being afraid, they're surrounded by like a security team, a heavily, heavily armed security team. And so they have a certain sense of peace about them because they know that they're protected. But it isn't because of their strength. It's because of the strength of those around them. And I think of our, our Blessed Mother and, of course, our Lord and the saints. Would that be a good analogy is that we are protected, but maybe not, but we're going to need assistance uh, during this, um, you know, the veil of terrors that we're living in right now? Yeah, it's not so much assistance against the enemy as assistance in our own struggle, our own struggle with sin, uh, our fallen nature. Um, again, don't think of it so much as there's a bully there and you need this saint to fight off the bully, but that the bully is allowed by Jesus to tempt us because that struggle is what allows us to grow spiritually. If there was nothing to struggle against, we wouldn't get stronger, just like our physical muscles. And so they're they're serving in spite of themselves. They're not a good thing, but God brings good out of their activity. And so in the midst of that, I would say, you know, learn from the saints, but don't think of them as the cop that's going to fight the devil off for you, more as a counselor to keep you focused on God as you walk down that alley. 
Yeah, good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Adam Bly uh, is my guest. We are about out of time. It's 14 minutes after the hour. Adam, uh, Happy New Year and uh, Merry Christmas to you. And we look forward to your continued work uh, on this program and also the Sparrow World on Saturday morning. So thank you for all you do. Oh, thank you, Dave. God bless you and your listeners. Thanks so much. Uh, all right. So, uh, let's see. We are down to our last segment of the radio portion of the program. We are going to have an after show at the bottom of the hour. I want to talk about some philosophy. I want to talk about some connections that how philosophy, in my opinion, always points to Jesus Christ. I'll talk to more about that. Of course, Rudy will be a part of that as well. The game show is coming up next. Fair and trembling. If you want to be the contestant, call right now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years, you know, because there's so much trash. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. If your purpose in life is to find God, not just here, but after you die, then living out that purpose is going to color absolutely everything you do. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy, That will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Messiah and Lord. As we celebrate this Christmas season, bring love and joy to all the people because our Savior is born. I'm David Magianis with the Guadalupe Radio Network, and I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. Oh, if you can only see what I see, Tim Mott dancing in the studio <laughs> with that introduction. Man, you got some, uh, you got some rhythm there in, uh, Tim. Uh, all right, uh, Dave Palmer here filling in for Adrian Fonseca. This is Fear and Trembling, and uh, that's the phone number to call if you'd like to be, uh, I, I believe, the first live guest of the entire new year, okay? If you want to be our first uh, contestant on the, the, the program, I'm not privy to what the phone lines are doing, or if it uh, looks like Tim may be on the phone with somebody. So we may have our, 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 our contestant on the line. 877-757-9424 is the number. Now, here is how it works. Uh, Rudy Carl. Carlos is, uh, I presume, joining me again on the the program. Rudy, it's been a while since you and I have spoken. How are you doing? Everything okay? Everything's great, Dave. I'm happy to be here with you. Actually, you know, I have something interesting to tell you. Uh, <laughs> okay. I know you love this movie. Uh, you love uh, It's a Wonderful Life. 
and I was inspired oh, yeah. over the break yeah. to watch it so I could tell you, hey, check it out. I, I watched the movie. It was great. It was a fantastic movie. But that's not one of our trivia questions. <laughs> It's not. Okay. Yeah. You know, you texted me during the break and you said that you had gone to see It's a Wonderful Life. And I think you said it was the very first time you ever saw it. And I'll tell you what, maybe uh, Tim can tell me, do we have our contestant on the line? Uh, yes. No. Okay. I, I think we do. Okay. And uh, Tim's going to tell us who that is. But I, all right. Uh, Mary from Alito, Texas is our contestant. Mary, hold on one second uh, as we just finish up this uh, comment about It's a Wonderful Life. But I, for the first time, saw It's a Wonderful Life in the movie theater. Uh, I took my daughters to an old style movie theater in Grapevine, Texas and so cool. uh, saw it on the big screen. And I've never watched that movie without just becoming uh, like a, a mess at the end of it as far <laughs> as you know, just crying. And I don't know. Did it bring tears to your eyes? Almost. Almost. <laughs> Almost. I think I was dehydrated. Uh, it'll have I didn't, to, <laughs> it'll have have to try harder water. next year, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Rudy, thanks so much. I know that you're going to be a big part of this. Fair and trembling. Uh, Mary Alito, Texas. Uh, Happy New Year. It's Merry Christmas. How are you? Mary Rita. It's Mary Rita. Oh, Mary Rita Mary from Alito? Mary Rita. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So you've got a couple of saints in your name, don't you? Yep. Yeah, very good. Now, uh, Alito, Texas, uh, where is that located? It's um, halfway between Fort Worth and Weatherford. All right. So North Texas uh, uh, caller, and I presume listening on 9, 10 a.m. Well, Mary Rita, that is a really cool name. It almost sounds like Margarita, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, good. Are, are you having a good New Year so far, or do you have any uh, resolutions, or how do you approach the New Year, Mary Rita? Well, we decided as a family that we're going to um, do catechism in a year. Oh, is that right? Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's a good way to spend the year. So, uh, Mary Rita, thanks so much um, for uh, for being uh, on the program. I'm a little bit of an amateur because I've only done this a few times. Rudy is much more uh, experienced in this. And so, uh, Mary, Mary Rita, let me ask you, do you know how this game works? Do you kind of know the flow of it and what your, what your role is? I've played a couple times and won once. <laughs> okay so all right well let's go ahead and get started for those of you who are tuning in basically i ask a question and then rudy uh is going to give an answer okay and sometimes he gives the right answer and sometimes he gives a a fake answer that isn't right and it's up to mary rita to try to determine whether rudy is trying to confuse her or whether he's saying the right answer rudy did i explain that pretty well that's right dave uh you know i i my new year's resolution is to not be so tricky but uh, we'll see. You know, my willpower is pretty low. I'm going to admit uh, to everybody, uh, my willpower is pretty low. So we'll see about that. Okay. But, well, then, won't that that resolution make the game less interesting? I mean, do you really want to do that? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm going to make this game more boring. That's my resolution. Okay. Speaking of All right. which, uh, uh, let me tell you about the uh, the prize this week. Uh, so this week we're going to oh, give yes, away uh, a copy of the book "The Priest Is Not His Own" by our good friend uh, Fulton Sheen. Actually, wrote it, but it's actually being printed by our good friend Alan Smith from the Great White North. He's a contributor to our show every Thursday if you want to check out that uh, that segment with him where we talk about Fulton Sheen. But 
This book is going to be an amazing companion for your new year, uh, you know, to take a look at... Uh, at uh, how the priest functions, uh, what, what sort of spiritual fatherhood uh, a priest has. And, uh, you know, I was inspired by, uh, by this uh, conversation with Father Kirby about spiritual fatherhood. So we're going to give that book away this week. All right. Thanks so much, Rudy. Okay, Mary Rita and Rudy, if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question. And then uh, Rudy has uh, vowed to not be quite so tricky uh, in this new year. Okay, so we're going to put him to the test right now. All right, so I'll it, um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first question, Rudy, is what three sacraments can only be received once? I'll what repeat. Three? What three sacraments can only be received once? Which three? Okay. So, it's baptism, holy matrimony, and holy orders. All right, so baptism, holy matrimony, and holy orders are the three sacraments, according to the Rudy who has vowed to not be tricky this year. Okay, I don't know how well you're doing on that so far. We're going to have to see what Mary Rita has to say. So, Mary Rita, do you think he's right or is he wrong? Uh, What do you say? He's two-thirds right and one-third wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, look, I was yes, speaking exactly. from experience since I received confirmation twice. Uh, one of them was invalid. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, that, you were very tricky. You know, you were very tricky there because a lot of people say, you know, matrimony is, uh, is a holy sacrament and you, you know, should only be married once. But of course we know that, uh, people can be married more than once. A spouse can pass away and there, there are, there are certainly a lot of people that have been married more than once. Uh, all right, Mary Rita, you're on a roll. So congratulations on that. You ready for question number two? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think I preempted the little, the, the dinging of the bell that uh, Tim Sosa played. So you got that right. So congratulations on that. All right. Question number two. Uh, what name is given to the authentic English version of the Bible? Wow. We're starting off with huh. a tricky one here. What is the, what is the name given to the authentic English version of the Bible? Rudy Carlos. All right. Go to your bookshelf and uh, dust off, you know, blow off the dust from your Bible. And then you crack it open, and you'll see that the authentic English version of the Bible is the New York version. The New York version. You know, it's, <laughs> that's the one that they, that they first printed when they came to America. And so it's, it was printed in New York, and it's the New York version. Wow. You know, I'm so glad I'm hosting today because uh, I'm learning a lot just in the course of this program. So, uh, Mary Rita, do you think is uh, Rudy uh, living up to his vow to not be tricky in the new year or is he telling you the truth? Or wait, maybe the the other way around. like a swap machine. (laughs) (laughs) all right okay and i waited for the bell ringing that time all right mary rita you are on a roll two for two and uh, the right answer by the way and you know i should say uh, from the first dance first question the, the correct answer is baptism confirmation and holy orders okay those are the three that can only be received once baptism confirmation holy orders and uh, the name given to the authentic English version of the Bible. Do you do you happen to know, Mary Reader, what it is? You don't have to know this, but do you know what it is? It's not New York. Well, it's either the King James or it's the ESV. 
Yeah, it's actually something called the Dewey Rhymes. Dewey, did I get did I pronounce that right? Dewey, oh, Dewey that's Rhymes the version. version. Yeah, yeah, Dewey yeah the, the Catholic, Catholic one. Version. Yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, okay. Dewey wow, you really know your stuff. Five. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I think we need to get to the fact checkers to see if we got this right. But all right. So question number three, uh, who is Rudy? Uh, he is the guy that uh, comes with these. Okay. Question number three, Mary Rita, what is the branch of philosophy that deals mainly with the question of right and wrong? The branch of philosophy that deals mainly with the question of right and wrong. Rudy Carlos, what is the answer? Well, Dave, you uh, happen to be a student of philosophy. You love philosophy, actually, you know, part of your show. Actually, your entire show every Friday on the Guadalupe Radio Network is about philosophy, particularly Thomas Aquinas. So you know in your <laughs> in your studies that uh, it's philosophy. <laughs> it's a philo- It's a philosophist. Uh, is is actually what they what they call that branch philosophist <laughs> okay all right sounds sounds logical and right to me um, <laughs> all right. Mary Rita what do you do you think he's uh trying to pull one over your, over you or is he right uh, fella fella philosophy uh, my eyes are is rolling that... like a slot machine again <laughs> okay what do you think that Ah, all right. Otherwise known as, okay. Otherwise known as, yeah, moral theology or ethics uh, is what it would be called. Uh, So you get it uh, the third in a row, a little dingering, dingling there. Uh, Mary Rita, for a guy who has vowed to not be tricky in the new year, he did not give you one correct answer. You know, this is uh, really beginning to concern me a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so Mary Rita, congratulations! Now uh, again, what can you repeat again? So Mary Rita gets three chances to win this Friday, right? Uh, when Adrian right. will be back on Friday, you you go into the coffee cup of divine providence, three and Mary times. Rita's name is going to be in there three times. Is that right? That's right. All right, congratulations, Mary Rita. You're off to a very good start in the new year. Thanks for joining us, Mary Rita. Appreciate you being the first uh, contestant live in this new year here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. All right, that is going to do it for the radio portion. We're going to do a abbreviated after show because we got to get ready for the top of the hour where we're going to have our car raffle kickoff show at 8 o'clock Central Time. Thank you so much for joining me and the team for Catholic Drive Time this morning. We'll see you back tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock Central Time. The after show continues now, and on the radio we'll have the Holy Mass. Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Online and those here present. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. He hath opened heaven's door, and man is blessed evermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who were pleased to give light to your church by the example and teaching of the bishops St. Basil and Gregory, grant, we pray, that in humility we may learn your truth and practice it faithfully in charity. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Beloved, who is the liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, whoever denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son does not have the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father as well. Let what you heard from the beginning remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made us, eternal life. I write to you these things about those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you received from him remains in you, so that you do not need anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and not false. Just as it is taught to you, remain in him. And now children, remain in him so that when he appears we may have confidence 
and not be put to shame by him at his coming. The word of the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations, he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. In times past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us through the Son. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This Holy Christmas Tide is a time when we reflect and meditate on the fact that we have been made sharers in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. In fact, those very words are used in a particular moment in the liturgy when the priest puts that drop of water in the chalice of wine and the water becomes mixed or mingled with the wine. And it is at that moment that this, that prayer has said that we have been made sharers in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. That's our incorporation we as the people of God into 
the blood of Christ, or what will become the blood of Christ. In the East, they would call this divinization or deification. We actually become godlike. It is through baptism that we, we know, through the, Holy, the action of the Holy Spirit, who we hear about in that first reading from the letter of St. John of being anointed, that we have received this anointing. And through that anointing, we have become friends of God. One of the things that our, our founder, Father James Flanagan, would teach us was about graced friendships. From the friendship that we have with God, from the friendship that we have with the Most Holy Trinity, this then pours out into graced friendships with one another. We are always in need of really graced friendships. Friendships really that lead us closer to Christ. If there's two saints that exemplify this so beautifully, it's the two saints that we celebrate today, and they're celebrated together because they are in exemplars of graced friendships. St. Basil and St. Gregory, they exemplify this in such an extraordinary way. What, what sort of united them was their common ambition of a life of true wisdom. True wisdom. St. Gregory, he, or St. Nanzianzini writes that we became everything to each other. We shared the same lodging, the same table, the same desires, the same goal. Our love for each other grew daily warmer and deeper. We might be some, seem almost scandalized by those words that were written back in the fourth century. What kind of a friendship is this? But it goes on to say, to describe it more deeply, each of them was a professor, a teacher. And so it was the same hope that inspired them, the pursuit of true learning. He says, but there were, between them, there was no ambition and no envy. He says, especially in, you know, if you ever see professors go at it, or if you ever see a doctoral dissertation, they're always trying to one-up each other. He says, but between these two, there was never this envy, or I have to be better than him. He says, on the contrary, he says, our, the, our rivalry consisted not in seeking the first place, but in yielding to the other. For we each looked at the other's success as his own. He says, we seem to be two bodies with one single spirit, though we cannot believe that those who claim everything, that, that everything is contained in, in, in everything, you must believe it that we are, in this case, each of us, one in the other and with the other. Our single object and ambition was virtue. We followed the, the guidance of God's law and spurred each other on to virtue. We found in each other a standard and rule for discerning right and wrong. Finally, he says, what was the greatest thing that they wanted, what their greatest pursuit was, was to make not a name for themselves, but to be called Christians and to live it. What's so interesting about those two, when you, when you reflect on the kind of communion that they had with one another, it can only be grace that would bring this kind of depth of friendship. See, there's no longer between them a kind of neediness or clinginess. There's nothing of that because they're focused together, not toward each other, but towards God. They're directed together towards God, oriented towards him, and growing in holiness. That's what it means to have graced friendships. As I said, we need them. And maybe in this new year, if we don't have one, we should, we should try to develop or cultivate this kind of friendship. 
Many of us don't have somebody that we can share what, deeply what's going on in our spirit, in our spiritual life. But we need such friends, such friends that can journey with us and we, we can orient each other towards the Lord to grow in holiness, to grow in virtue. We ask the intercession of Saints Gregory and Saint Basil that we too would have this depth of friendship in our, in our life. We would have friends to be able to share the deep and glorious things that God does in our life and to glorify him through our friendship with each other. Amen. Let us pray, dear brothers and sisters, to the Lord, who, being rich, has become poor in order to make us rich. Let us pray for the Holy Church, so that all her faithful may live with joy and announce with courage the mystery of the Son of God and our only Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for those who seek the truth so that they, dis that they discover the gospel and welcome with joy the good news of the Savior. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray that we may have graced friendships in our life, friendships that orient us toward God and inspire us to live uh, holiness and virtue. Let us pray to the Lord. For the intentions of those joining us on Guadalupe Radio online, and all here present for the intentions we hold in our hearts. Let us pray to the Lord. Show us, O Lord, your goodness to the people who implore you, and make those of us who celebrate with joy the birth of our, sa of our Savior share in the goods you have given to us, and especially eternal life through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, the work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept this sacrifice from your people, we pray, O Lord, and make what is offered for your glory in honor of Saints Basil and Gregory a means to our eternal salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For on the feast of this awe-filled mystery, though invisible in his own divine nature, he has appeared visibly in ours, and begotten before all ages, he has begun to exist in time. So that raising up in himself all that was cast down, he might restore unity to all creation and call straying humanity back to the heavenly kingdom. And so with all the angels we praise you as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth, are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate, O Lord, we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son 
and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Basil and St. Gregory, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your, your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's offer to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
For those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore, masked by these bare shadows, shape and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart, lost all lost in wonder at the God thou art. Seeing, touching, tasting are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing that shall be believed? What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. Amen. Let us pray. May partaking at the heavenly table, Almighty God, confirm and increase strength from on high in all who celebrate the feast day of Saints Basil and Gregory, that we may preserve in integrity the gift of faith and walk in the path of salvation you trace for us through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. The first Noel the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. In fields as they lay, lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. They looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. And to the earth St. Michael the Archangel 
Defenders in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.